Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a really heartfelt film. I think there's a very honest perception of the different conflicts that go on for hardcore mountaineers. And yeah, it's it's gripping and dark at points. Definitely a kind of an ascent for the viewer. You know, one of the things that really comes through on the film is when they're breaking trail. You know, some of this is waist deep snow at altitude. You know, above 8,000 meters, your body starts to die. Um, so literally, you're, you know, it's against the clock stuff up there. And the fact that they, they're just battling the elements, but breaking trail in, in such an incredibly powerful way blew my mind. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flitz Watcher Podcast. Today, we are joined by Claire. Hello. Steve. Hi there. And as always, Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about 14 Peaks. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FlixWatcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Steve and Claire. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hi, folks. It's great to be here. Uh, my name's Steve Scott. I'm uh, one of the directors of Kendall Mountain Festival. And my name's Claire Carter, and I'm the artistic director. And basically, that means I get the fun job of helping to choose the films that show at the festival. So tell us a bit about the festival, because as this episode goes out, uh, it's the 17th of November, if you guys listen to it on release day. So the festival starts on the two days after, on the 19th. Not quite. It actually starts on the 18th. Oh, there we go. Next Thursday. And uh, yeah, we, we're, we're the guests. We're, we were 40 years old last year. So if it wasn't oh, wow. for the pandemic, it would have been the biggest party uh, in the outdoor calendar. Um, so we're, we're sort of reconvening that party this year and uh, getting everybody together in Kendall um, for the big one this year. So it's back to a live and, and a broadcast event actually this year. Can you tell us a bit what, about what happens in the festival, in the, in the mountain festival? Yeah, so it's a big mixture of speakers, um, music, lots of parties, art, um, <laughs> sometimes some theatre. But one of the really big focuses for the festival is definitely film. We've got an international festival competition um, with 13 prizes, which are both cash and like this beautiful sculpture. Um, and I guess Steve likes to say we're the Oscars of the outdoor world, which is perhaps, you know, maybe a, a bit glamorous. But I think we do really like to try and find films that have got real prestige. Mm -hmm. And certainly this year, we've got some really amazing premieres, um, 14 Peaks being one of them. Um, but we've got some beautiful films such as The River, which is written, or the script is written by Robert McFarlane and um, voiced by William Defoe. Stuff like that, just a kind of a whole variety from mountain to environmental to 
I, what I would describe as human spirit. So really kind of inspiring stuff. And it's a focus on the out, on the outdoors, essentially, is, what, is what's going on here. Yes. Yeah, the outdoors is that sort of uh, metaphor, if you like, for, for all the different cultural elements. It's a bit like the Edinburgh fringe of outdoors, really. And I prefer to call it the BAFTAs of outdoor filmmaking <laughs> rather, rather than the Oscars. You know, keep it British in a, in a way, you know, because, um, <laughs> you know, it is, it is a very quirky mix of uh, creativity and, and sort of various cultures that touch into into outdoor, whether that's uh, we have a great literature event, like Claire mentioned, we have art theatre, but film definitely is is at the core of the event, plus plus all the different industries that sort of support that. So we have this year, we've got a record number of filmmakers coming in from all over the world. Um, 76. 76. Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we just, God, that's a lot of people to put up, isn't it? Um, we've got about 100 and <laughs> 150 guest speakers, you know, from athletes, ambassadors, um, activists, yeah, creatives, writers, you know, you name it. Everybody sort of gathers. It's a huge melting pot. But basically, the, like the tagline is share the adventure. And the idea is that you'll be in the bar rubbing up with, you know, complete stars who might have just been doing something totally mental in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. it's also <laughs> supposed to be about families and having fun and just getting inspired to go out the back door. So that's kind of the gist. So I think I think mental in the middle of nowhere does describe NIMS. Yeah. Um, and also bars and parties also seems to describe NIMS and, and his gang. So we're talking today about the 14 Peaks, which is going to be premiering at, at, the, at the Kendall Mountain Festival. And this is actually premiering on the 19th, which is where I got the 19th from, not the 18th. Yeah. So as you listen to this, guys, if this goes, if you listen to this on Wednesday, the 17th, the festival opens tomorrow and the premiere opens the day after tomorrow. So, Claire, you're going to give the, the, the short synopsis. I'm going to get, a t- I'm going to get my timer, my countdown timer. <laughs> no, no pressure. Okay. No pressure, but there's all the pressure. Um, so you can't go for more than 60 seconds and give us a synopsis on 14 Peaks. Okay. So 14 Peaks is arriving on Netflix on the 29th of November. It's directed by Torquil Jones, but it's exec produced by jimmy and chai who if you've seen free solo um who mm-hmm. hasn't they're responsible for that so it's a big number but it takes quite a i almost say subversive route into mountaineering culture um nims is a prolific nepali climber and in this film i think you really get to see nepali culture at its roots whether that's pushing really hard on the mountain family and heritage or ubiquitous party in in Kathmandu. it's a really heartfelt film i think there's a very honest perception of the different conflicts that go on for hardcore mountaineers and yeah it's it's gripping and dark at points definitely a kind of an ascent for the viewer yeah and we should say normally we do give away massive spoilers throughout each episode but this time we're gonna we're gonna scale it back a bit because we want you guys to hear our conversation without fear of spoilers and you know hopefully go and watch it yourself and if you can't make the mountain festival Watch it on the Netflix when it comes to when it when it's out on the 29th of November. First of all, I love this, but I'm going to. One thing I loved is the you said about uh, James. Is it Jimmy Chin? James Chin. Jimmy um, Chin. Yeah. Jimmy Chin. Because I love Free Solo. Um, we've also had we've had the Dawn Wall on here, mm-hmm. and randomly, I seem to be a fan of like mountain and climbing documentaries. What, what, why is that? Why is that? Why go? You tell us. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's the, the beauty of the scenery, the yeah. kind of getting to experience what it's like to be on a mountain without the physical pain and fear that actually goes with going up a mountain. I don't know. I, I think, think there's something very metaphorical about these films, though, which is why mm. 
you know, we love Kendall because being on an edge, whether it's literal or, you know, people were on the edge during the pandemic, like we all know what that feels like. Mm. So having to watch somebody make that mental step of being like, oh, fuck it. Okay, I'm going to cope with this. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to move forwards and have that experience. I think that's really inspiring to everybody. I think also a lot of the, the driving focus is a lot of what spurs this of the people, of the subjects of the films. There's, all, there's always a clear focus, isn't there? Yeah, like there's always a clear focus. It's the like top. the person's super driven and they know exactly what they're going to do. And often <laughs> that's sod everyone else in order to get there. And that's kind of endearing, but also um, mm, it's super engaging, isn't it? There's a, there's a certain uh, spectrum obsessiveness about a lot of the characters in these films, whether you look at Honold in Free Solo mm. or obviously uh, Nirmal Nimsdai Perger. Um, you know, I think, I think these individuals, these characters fascinate us because they really are out on that spectrum. You know, they're fighters. They've, they've mm. had to overcome huge, huge difficulties in their lives in some ways. You know, I think we can all relate to that in a very small way. Um, but... Yeah, like Claire said, it's a it's a huge metaphor for a lot of things at the moment. And as the as the film unravels as well, I feel that it sort of reflects a lot of the issues we're facing in society. And I thought I thought the filmmakers did a great job of bringing that to the fore. Yeah, I think the support crew around these individuals is really interesting as well because who gets attracted to actually spend their time with somebody that driven and what kind of characteristics are required to be selfless and encourage somebody to achieve their own goals. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, because we, we hear a lot from um, Nim's wife in this, for example. Suchi. And, Suchi, yeah. um, and she's, I think she's fantastic, a fantastic character. We don't see her doing much, but she's essentially talking head in this, mm. but talking about, well, look, I can't, I can't spend every waking minute being worried about Nim's, otherwise I will literally be, that's, that will be my whole life and understand what his drives and how to do it, but we're looking to support him. And it's kind of fascinating the, the, the kind of the people that have, that have to be around them. He felt kind of a lot of pressure from his brother to say, mm-hmm. his brother's like, don't do this, it's insane. Um, and also but, respect the cultural traditions of Nepal. Mm, yeah. Look, you know, the younger brother is supposed to look after the family and not just disappear off up 14,000 meter peak. <laughs> 14. Well, let's, let's talk a bit about the actual challenge because... It's insane, but it's, it's one of the things as a non-climber, I would never really, I, I don't, I would never have understood the magnitude of this. And this mm-hmm. is the same thing with Free Solo and, and the Dawn War, for example. If someone said, yeah, this guy's going to climb up El Cap, I'm like, okay, I've seen other people do it. I don't understand the problem. I know many people have gone up Everest and just think, well, that's the tallest one. So the other ones are easier. easier. Well, yeah, just get on with it. But it's not, it's not at all. I don't know if that was... If, well, before the documentary is came given out. that it, the last person who did this took him 16 years and yeah. there's obviously the debate about with or without oxygen but that kind of time scale it comes quite early on into the documentary that mm. some, you know to do it took 16 years and it's just you know and he's some, attempting it within six months yeah within, it was, within it, a year. It was, yeah it was a superhuman effort you know in in so many different ways not not, not only logistically but physiologically as well and uh, I think one of the things that really resonated with me was the the fact quite early on in the film that, that they brought up the issue of the Sherpas, how integral, how key they are to the Absolutely. success of Western mountaineers. And the fact that they've been, you know, I was slightly ashamed in, in the sense of our heritage, you know, that we've we've sort of, you know, slightly er- eroded their, their their influence, if you like. You know, they, they I think they mentioned that they were like ghosts to a lot of the Westerners' mm. successes. And... For me, you know, that really, really spoke volumes because this film is very much about 
bringing the Sherpas, the teamwork, their their skills, their you know inherent drive, if you like, to the fore. And and uh, Nims was very vocal about he, the fact that he would not have completed that without you know without the likes of you know his colleagues, Ming, Mingma, David Sherpa, Lakpa, Dendi, Gelgen, Gessman, You know those guys. I love that would introduction. Never, yeah, we would never remember the names of those guys if they were Western mountaineers. I could roll those off. You know, mm. at the top of my tongue, but you know, to actually have to learn those guys who who could probably blow a lot of the Western mountaineers away in in achievement. So, I think it it really really plants a flag, a stake of intent, if you like, in in sort of that a new face, a new generation of, of mountaineering, certainly in the high I ranges. Love, I really love the instruction of of uh, of his team. It's almost like a heist movie intro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But you know that that for me is why they they were so successful because it, I guess you could relate that to the earlier um, you know Shackleton type expeditions where they were all actors and singers, um, you know they all knew how to enjoy life, how to bring each other up if they were if they were down, how to lift the mood, and I think you know that sort of teamwork, the inherent you know picking your A team was very much at the forefront of Nims's um, possible challenge. You know it was it was incredible to see how he built that team and and how they all supported him. And I'm right from the start. He said, "I'm paying them more than any Western climber yeah. would do for this expedition, mm. which is great." And is like I say, he's foregrounding them. And I remember learning about um, Sir Edmund Hillary being the first "quote unquote" person to climb Everest. And then there's like a, a footnote with Sherpa Tenzing. I was like, "Well, did he not get to the top as well? Why do we like give him yeah. Tenzing Norgay? Why do we, why do we not foreground this guy as well?" And I've seen other documentaries, and I think in the film like Everest as well. People pay more and more respect to Tenzin Norgay as you know an equal pioneer in getting up Everest for the first time, and I think that's what a fantastic thing that Nims is pushing through this whole documentary, this whole feature, and his whole kind of ethos. There was actually a really beautiful film made last year called *The Ghosts Above* by Renan Osterk, which discussed the kind of dubious heritage behind some of certainly British and American mountaineering ascents in those high ranges. It's, that's definitely worth looking up. Okay. Helen, where, where, you haven't seen Free Solo yet, but how is this for a documentary for you? I really enjoyed it. I think I went into it thinking there'd be some kind of cool scenery, um, some kind <laughs> of like, you know, kind of peril and, you know, kind of a bit of adventure. But what I actually got was a much more kind of life-affirming sort of feeling and um, s- sort of a start to recognising um, the work that the Nepalese do on the mountains and supporting people. And like when he said, you know, if, if this had been a Westerner, you know, we'd have a much bigger crowd for this. And I was like, I can't I remember seeing his photo on Everest that he took and being in all, all the news and everything. And sort of the photo he took where there's like a trail mm. of people. I remember that, but I don't remember hearing the story with kind of, you know, his challenge or what he was doing. So that kind of, I recognise that photo, but I didn't realise that it was part of this. It's still, even though he's kind of come this far and, and made this film, he's still like behind or below, you know, a Western climber or someone like that. So it was, it was kind of a, a mixture of like real joy for him, but also kind of quite bittersweet that he's, you know, out there saying, you know, this this is where we are now. So I I really hope that this film shines a, a bigger light on on the Nepalese and you know, the the amazing work that they do because I, I've done like a very small amount of climbing and 
it's it's they talk about your you know you'd be being only 45 percent fucked and that's really true because just watching some of the scenes they're, they're literally like scampering up ice which if you've ever done any walking with a pack on or anything like you're just very very slow and you're like oh god <laughs> heaving and like Phew, and they're just flying up the ice so it was it was yeah quite a lot of amazement for me just like oh my god and just some of the times which were completed in they just made it look so easy and like even contemplating like getting to base camp would be enough for me like the thought yeah. of it so on that note helen i think you're right with you know one of the things that really comes through on the film is when they're breaking trail you know some of this is waist deep snow at altitude you know above 8000 meters your body starts to die um so literally you're you know it's against the clock stuff up there and the fact that they they're just battling the elements but breaking trail in in such a incredibly powerful way blew my mind and you know these these are people who who often mostly fix the lines for a lot of the western expeditions you know it's thanks to them that they put up these fixed ropes that the mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the western expeditions can can attach themselves to for safety so the sherpas are you know it's their job but they're 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 risking their necks putting these fixed lines up now what what nims did incredibly was was pick the a team who who've obviously done this for a living for many years but you know they all supported him in in keeping that sort of momentum and pace and speed and and defiance, if you like, with that single vision of, you know, achieving that, that goal and those summits. That picture you talked about, Helen, where he, he, he turns around and takes a picture of looking back up Everest, that really saddened me. It was like waiting in a queue for a roller coaster at Alton Towers. It was, it was literally that kind of just wait your turn, take another step, you'll get there, you'll get your picture on top of Everest, then you'll come back down again. And it just, it, it kind of really saddened me um, that that was the case. So, I love the way that, like I say, you, 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 what do you call it? Breaking trail? Is that the, is that the terminology yeah, um, yeah, yeah. for a lot of these places? And, you know, some mountains haven't been climbed for, for years uh, before, you know, so it was really interesting to see how he did that. And this concept, this this whole challenge he's trying to do himself, uh, with, with himself and the team itself would make for an astonishing documentary. But then it's beset with drama along different stages. You have, you have Nims and his team rescuing people. And also the background drama with his mum being ill and trying to get money for this and, you know, and trying to get permission to climb a mountain in China. I thought that aspect was so interesting because mm. for Western athletes, you know, we take it for granted that people want to support us going to do stuff and like, oh, I'm going to go and do this challenge, whether it's for me or for charity. Yeah, we'll give you money. Great. How amazing. Go off and self-actualize. Whereas for Nims, it was you know, Suchi says, or his wife says, it's not in Nepal, it's traditional to give, not to ask. And suddenly mm-hmm. you just start realizing how many insidious barriers there are to doing something like this for somebody like Nims. It really exposes kind of the the, the privilege involved in climbing in that it's been, mm. you know, you, you have to be very privileged to do it because you have to have the money, you have to have the time, um, you have to, you know, have, have the time to prepare, you have to be able-bodied. So, yeah, and the sense of entitlement. Which that, doesn't it? This quite a lot, I think. This yeah. is definitely something that I should do with my life. I think one thing, yeah, totally. One thing we haven't discussed really is, is his pathway into this really. And, you know, yeah. it, 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 it's really important to acknowledge that, you know, the, the, the Gurkhas, the, the sort of British military alignment where for, for a lot of these young, young men, it's, it's a pathway into a, into a different life uh, with, you know, certain aspirations. Um, the training is brutal just to get into the Gurkhas. You know, they're 
Yeah. They're renowned for being the world's most ferocious fighters. And, you know, the fact that Nims was the first Gurkha who was um, was in, in the special forces, the UK special forces as well. I think he was SBS. And, um, you know, there's a certain mental uh, formation that's that's come from from a military background as as well, which I think has certainly helped him. But he also seemed very effervescent and talkative because I've, I've met... Not, I don't know if I met any special forces. I don't tend to tell you that often. But uh, people in the army, and they're very kind of of a type, aren't they? Where they're reserved and introverted in a way. Do you um, well, yeah, I, I think so. But Nim's just like, yeah, get everyone together. Let's do this. Let's do. Let's do as a team. Nepali people are really like that, though. Yeah, it's everyone's a family. All of you at the same time with whiskey. Everyone was brother. Everyone's yeah, brother. Yeah, everyone's exactly, and it's in the yeah. language. I think that's really worth listening out for, and something that I found very poignant. Um, in some of those scenes that we won't reveal on the mountain was just the the habitual use of the word brother mm. when we might yeah. say friend or mate or human. <laughs> I don't use human in common parlance. Hey, human. Um... <laughs> you. And he also loved a party as well. I mean, the, the thought of doing anything like that on a, hang- a hangover, I mean, the thought of leaving bed at the hangover, let alone mm. going up. 8,000 feet and above and coming back down in a day. meters. Just, yes, sorry, That's meters. That's fairly unique, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's insane. It's crazy. It's insane. Even Jimmy Chin couldn't even find words for that. Oh, well, he didn't seem quite impressed, did he? <laughs> no, it, that's a, it wasn't. It was kind of like, why are you doing that, dude? But also, I think that was jealousy. He wishes <laughs> he wishes he could do that hungover. <laughs> I remember going out snowboarding and stuff, and obviously you have you have a hard night, and in the morning you, you get chair lifted to the top of the mountain, and sometimes that's too much. So to like even con- contemplate walking up thousands of meters of height is, is it? Maybe it's that myth that high altitude kills your hangover. Well, maybe like sixteen hundred meters does. But, yeah, uh... but maybe not. <laughs> maybe not top of the world. Maybe not top of the world. Can I ask a question uh, about the film? Did, did you did you guys think there was enough enough sort of foundation building about his his background, his life, or did you think it just jumped straight into the climbing too quickly? I w- I'm really interested in what you guys think of that. Uh, I guess it doesn't really happen at the start, so you do get quite into the challenge quite quickly, and then it kind of is a little bit peppered. As you go through with um, um, with him, how his exit from from the army was quite a, a shock for me, and kind of you know when you come to that moment, you're like, crikey, he's you know he's he's made of different stuff. I think it's it's fair to say, and mm. sometimes it's kind of nice to have a little bit of maybe mystery at the start, and that way you don't go in with any kind of preconceived ideas about what their their character or, or spirit was in. So I think. I really felt that I kind of got to know him and because I think quite early on as well, I think it's his father who um, sort of is, is kind of very against it and very sort of angry that he's going to leave the family and, and go Wasn't off on this person. Is it his brother or his father? Yeah. Um, his brother. Brother, go off and, and you know, leave the, the, the family. And you're kind of like, oh, he's, he's, you know, he's gone against the family. And, you know, does that kind of make him like, is he a bit of a jerk? Is he a bit of like, mm? and you kind of got like little entries. And I think without having too much information further on, you you kind of like see him, see more gets revealed, like peeled back as, as you go through. Yeah, I think I, I really like the balance of it because I think you have to, for people like myself who've never, who've been to the top of a mountain, as I say, but only on a chairlift, the concept of this is so far out of whack. It doesn't, you don't understand the scale and the magnitude of it. So I think having to hook people into the, this is what it's going to do, this is why it's insane, 
Um, and then Peppers, and it kind of builds up the profile of Nims as you go along. This is why it's insane, but this is why this is the guy that can do it. And I think that that kind of build up works through. And I think it also would have been really exhaustive to kind of build up the story of Nims and then the challenge. And then it's just challenge, 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 challenge after. I think it's, it's nicely kind of broken up and nicely paced uh, all the way through it. A really powerful image I've got in my head was was from early on when he was he was trying to raise funds for the trip, which were yeah. obviously were going to be phenomenal to actually pull this off. And uh, I was actually invited to one of his fundraisers down in London and um, managed to briefly say hi to him amongst the hundreds of people that were there. And um, I think most of them were special forces people, so it was pretty pretty scary environment to be in. But uh, no, and and so but. But, you know, that sort of, um, like Claire said, that effervescence, but that force of trying to convince people to invest in him. But one, one of the images I was saying that really hit me was when he was sat in his home in, in just a suburban house and his wife was, mm. was near him. And he's just sort of looking looking at the table and he's thinking, shit, what the hell, what have I done? You know, there's no way I can raise this sort of money. You know, he was getting rejections left, right and centre. And I think we've all been through that. Certainly I can relate to that with, with putting on this festival, you know, with my wife who's CEO. And it's like, we, we look at each other in the evening sometimes and think, what are we doing? You know, this for us is, you know, it's, it's like our Everest, maybe not our, our 14, 8,000 meters, but it does feel like that sometimes. <laughs> and I think we can all relate to those moments of desperation where, you know, you look at your partner or your friend and you think, I've really bitten off more than I can chew. Am I doing the wrong thing here? Can you tell me? Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really sort of poignant, poignant freeze moment in the film. Um, and I probably would have liked to explore that a bit more, but they had so much to pack in there that, you know, they did it quite well. Is there anything else I want to say, guys, before we go to the scoring? Well, one thing I should say, just to point out, Nims is going to be there on the 19th of November, 2021, if you listen to it as this goes out, at Kendall Mountain Festival. So do head over and um, if you can in the area, or if you're not in the area, make that extra special visit and go over them and watch the film and maybe try and shake this guy's hands because uh, what he's trying to do is um, is insane. And so, I mean, to, to yourself, Claire and Steve, were you aware of this, the magnitude of this challenge beforehand? Because like I say, if someone had said to me, what do you think of climbing 14 of these mountains that are over 8,000 metres? I would never, I would have thought, yeah, that's, I don't see the problem. But do you understand the magnitude it, of it? It's obviously a thing, isn't it? I, I never realised it was... A thing to do all four 14 of those in mm. one go. I think, like, well, I imagine Steve was as well. I certainly was just because we live and breathe this stuff. But also, I, I was really lucky and got to go to the Kathmandu Mountain Film Festival a couple of years ago um, mm. as a judge. And I think being in Nepal and really hanging out in a Nepali community, you realise how mental this is for a Nepali person and how incredibly important it was. So aside from the kind of physical challenge i think the cultural challenge just felt really yeah really amazing and i think that's something that you should definitely get from this film is such a love and respect for nepal like i love the fact they've really used nepali music all the way through that's really yeah cool. it was amazing totally amazing you know obviously like claire said we mix with a lot of these people we know them some of them are friends and certainly at the start of this challenge i know a lot of the mountaineers were like it's impossible. There's absolutely no way yeah. this is yeah. humanly possible. And we're talking some of the world's top alpinists who mm. who told us that. And, you know, that's why he called it Project Possible. He he obviously knew he had the X Factor. His, his teammates had the X Factor. And, you know, for me, it's as much a film about inclusivity and it's about, you know, if you can't, you can't be what you can't see. And I think that came out very, very strongly within 
within the sort of Nepali standpoint, you know, we are, we should be highly respected mountaineers in our own right. You know, we, we're not just there to support, you know, the rest mm. of the world here. It's, we, car- it's carried a ladder so guys can get over a credit. Yeah, over a credit. Really. Which is really timely for these times. You know, it's very poignant for these times with, with everything from Black Lives Matter to all the inclusivity content that mm. we're screening at Kendall this year. It's probably the biggest year we're ever discussing that at the festival. So, you know, it's a timely film for us and it, 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 it's really making a mark. Fantastic. Well, guys, let's head to the scores. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author and host of Women vs. Hollywood, a new podcast from the Strict Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture. We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it, they're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search for Women vs Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Steve, with your recommendability. So how much out of five would you recommend this to people? Ooh, 4.8. Do you want to give an explanation? Where's that Where's that point 0.8 come from? Where did it lose uh, a point 0.2? You know, I think, gosh, I think in a sense, I probably am, I've seen so many of these films that I guess the the sort of Jaws esque music to start with the jeopardy, the fear, the danger element is is sort of blown out slightly out of proportion. I mean, the, from from the outset, but uh, I think they reined it in as the film progressed. But um, the sort of exaggerative element is is a little bit rubbing me up a bit. You know, you know it's not it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a very small very small gripe, but. Um, like Claire said, I wish they'd had the Napoli music from the outset, and I think it would have been a bit more of a, a cultural respective thing. But um, yeah, that's where the point two goes. Uh, Claire? Yeah, I'd go for four, and my only sort of hesitations are, are similar, are just a slight, um, yeah, they, they told instead of show showed, where maybe they could have led us on a bit more gently. But I I think the, the human aspect of the story is really cool, and I definitely recommend it on that basis. Helen. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I said this earlier that I went and thinking there'd be some fairly nice kind of scenery and a bit of peril and everything. But um, I think it's a lot more than that. And I think it's more kind of a story of determination and being able to inspire others. And I don't think you necessarily need that much prior knowledge going into it, because I think you can appreciate it um, you know, you can see these mountains are huge and, you know, there's bits kind of peppered in, probably in kind of a bit of a cheesy Hollywood way in that sort of they say every three that make it one will die. And it's a bit a bit kind of like a bit cheesy like that. But um, I think it, it kind of gives you sort of an idea that it is something really dangerous they're doing. The only kind of fault I would say is that the way it's sort of edited and it's packing in so much into like a really really short time is that it just makes some of the climbs look really really easy and it, mm. it maybe that slightly underplays what a feat it is because sort of I think sort of the lesser known climbs you know it's sort of a shot with them waving at the bottom they're at the top and then they're back down it's like these would take like 
like days, maybe like a week for some people to do. And they've just kind of like shot up in one go. So maybe it, it, it undersells a little bit in its style that what he's actually doing. Um, yeah. It's like, well, it's really amazing without people going, <laughs> oh, it's really amazing. So uh, I'm going to give it, I'm also going to go for a 4.8. Cool. Uh, I'm going for 4.5. And I really agree with what Helen was saying about the, it almost uh, diminishes some of the feats. Of, you know, even getting up one of these mountains is a phenomenal feat that most people in their a small, 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 super small minority of people will ever accomplish. So to make it um, there and gone within a minute sometimes is like, oh. But I guess, you know, it would, I can see that it potentially would have been repetitive to show Mountain 1 to Mountain 2, Mountain 3, Mountain 4 to however many he finishes. So I get that, but still, each of these is a tiny feat must, that they massively, you know, managed to accomplish. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to 4.5. Um, repeat viewing score, Steve. Totally. Repeat viewing score would be, uh, yeah, 4.5. I mean, it's... It's one of those that you probably get a lot out of on repeat viewing. And I think, I, I, you know, I relate to Helen when she said it. It's really, it's a really complex film to to execute. You know, I, I've only been at altitude uh, twice. And the last thing the last thing is on, that's on your mind is filming or making a docu-film. Um, mm. You know, that, that really must be stated because how the hell you do things like that, it's, it's the last thing you've got on your mind getting a camera out or pressing record. So, you know, how they did that, I just just don't know. Um, so, yeah, definitely, I think you'll get more out of it on two or three viewings, definitely. Claire? Uh, I go for three. I think um, I think re-watching for technical, as Steve says, or behind-the-scenes kind of um, perspective would be fascinating, and like, it'd be really great to have, like, a director's commentary on that kind of basis. Helen? Yeah, so gen- generally with um, documentaries on uh, Netflix scores, they score quite low because once you've kind of watched it and you know how it ends, it's less of um, a need to keep going back. Um, I'm going to go down the middle with 2.5. I think there's quite a lot of information that happens in like the first 20 minutes and I'm not sure I fully absorbed it. So I think maybe I should definitely watch the, the start again to get more of that information and also um i watched this on my own and i think if i was recommending it for someone and said oh i really recommend this and they'd be like oh hey do you want to watch it i'd go yeah i'd want to do that but probably wouldn't put on as something like oh i fancy watching it but i'd definitely rewatch with other people i think um i'm getting it for two i, I wouldn't repeat as, as helen said uh, don't re repeat documentaries i can't think of many i have done um apart from ones that people brought into here which i've watched already uh, such as something like Blackfish, for example. Mm. But I would genuinely, like, if, if it was a festival with, with Nims going to do a Q&A after it, I would like, yeah, I'm going to make time to watch that again with with a crowd, with an audience. So that's why it's it's not low, because I definitely would want to watch it again, but in a, in a specific circumstance, I'd say. Small screen score, Steve. Well, I've only watched it on a small screen, so I'm really excited to see it on, on, on sort of huge screens that we have in Kendall. So... Um, but yeah, I did find it engaging on a, on a laptop. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, scaled up, it's going to just get better and better, certainly with some of the greater ranges in front of you. So, gosh, it's got to be high four again, four, five. 4.5. Yeah. Claire. Yeah, I'd say four. Sometimes um, some of the films that we show at Kendall are really frustrating to watch on small screens just because you can't get the perspective and they use a lot of aerial footage. But I think 
because a lot of the footage is self-shot and close up and it's really about kind of getting captures of somebody's you know the corner of somebody's eye through a snow blasted you know hat and goggle um shebang it, you know it's about almost a, a sense of claustrophobia in these big landscapes so actually i think this um unusually for a mountain film works really well on the small screen helen yeah what you're saying Claire, there's some really like really kind of inventive sort of footage where things are reflected off people's goggles and it feels yeah. it feels really personal it doesn't feel like you know there's helicopter shots and you know five or six cameras it really has that kind of handhold sort of feel and sort of filming on the go and I, I really like that um I'm going to give it a five um it's obviously coming to Netflix on the 29th and absolutely you should watch it on your your biggest TV that you can. Um, but I would say that if you're obviously listening to this on the 17th then, and you're in the Kendall area, then you should absolutely go along to this to see it on the big screen and and be part of that. So if you're in the area, do go and see it on a big screen. Otherwise, biggish telly if you can at home. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for 4.1. I think it works fantastic on a small screen and echo what you guys have said about how personal it is, even though it's, you know, Man versus literally the the, giant, the biggest edifices in the entire world. But I would I would like to see it on a bigger screen because even though it's only shot, I mean all the cameras look like GoPros. I'm I'm so impressed at how GoPros can can look amazing um, on a bigger screen. And it's cool, so it's, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I've got a GoPro. I never use it for those kind of stuff. I use it. You know, for some of the best films that we've had in the last couple of years have been entirely athlete shot on GoPros. Mm. I find that really inspiring for people in the audience. Yeah. And it, it, you hear lots of directors, filmmakers, Hollywood throughout saying, yeah, you've got everything you need. You've got your iPhone, you can buy yeah. a GoPro, you can actually make a film for... Netflix. You don't, you don't, <laughs> need, to, you don't need to rent out, you know, an IMAX camera to, to make a film. You just, you've got the kit, go do it. And that's always yeah. really inspiring. Democracy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. What did I say? Four. Four point one. Engagement score. Uh, definitely kept me engaged throughout. Oh, 4.8. I mean, I know my scores are really high. Loving then, the decimals. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't. My sort of pre-thoughts about the film was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to enjoy this. You know, I just felt that from a lot of the hype I've been hearing and, you know, how I'd sort of perceived NIMS, uh, that was blown away. I was, I, I was mm. wrong. And I'm, 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 I'm going to admit that, you know, I think he came out really well in the film and the engagement throughout, you weren't lost. I think the only sort of caveat in that was Helen's comment, I think was, was spot on where, where some of the, some of the ascents were sort of overlooked. And I think that did feel a little compacted in the films, you know, because you've got 14 massive peaks to cover. Um, you were, you were skipping a couple of them. Maybe they just didn't have any footage, but um, yeah, yeah. It, four, 4.8. Uh, Claire. Yeah, I'd go for four. I thought they wove together aspects of his character with the challenge quite cleverly, whether it was the family and the heritage or the history of the Gurkhas um, and the kind of escape that offered. I think there were some really interesting themes being developed about sense of freedom in this world, which, yeah, which kind of that really kept me engaged when perhaps the challenge itself didn't in the term, in the way that it was um, portrayed mm. on screen. So yeah, I'd give it a four. Helen? I'd give it 4.5. Um, there's, we haven't mentioned there's a nice kind of mix of animations, some really nice little oh, animated yeah. parts in it as well, which 
really kind of help to kind of tell the story on on a on a different level and kind of keep like the pace going as well I think I found um not going to give it full marks because I did have to have like a little bit of a look at some of the the mountains and and kind of get a bit of feeling for kind of like how big they were and sort of where they were as well a little bit as well not having the background knowledge and getting an understanding of that and um there's a bit in it where he is asking for help and he sort of talks about his Instagram account and I had to go and have a look at his Instagram account from, <laughs> from that point so not full marks because I, I was doing a little bit of um research and just kind of extra knowledge finding while I was watching it yeah I've saved my um, research finding until uh, afterwards I just uh, I was, wait. like G1 and G2 for example I, I don't know why they had the same name um I found out instantly like what can they not afford a different <laughs> name for the one of the two of the tallest mountains in the entire world anyway so things like that I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that research afterwards um but yeah I was, in, I was in there I was in there I was really enjoying it and I think the way they did break up the story and how it progresses has you hooked in and you know right from the start having to was it the first mountain they had to help rescue someone um that's insane isn't it there's a lot of drama in this. Um, There's a lot of drama. Yeah, yeah, a lot of heroism, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Mm. So, yes. I'm, yeah, 4.75. <laughs> uh, and that gives us an overall score of 4.10938, which is high for a documentary. Uh, absolutely. Very high for a doc, yeah. Yeah. So, Claire and Steve, can you sign off by telling everyone where they can find you guys uh, online and the festival and how to get tickets, I guess, if they if they listen to this on the Wednesday or the, before the festival starts. Yeah, yeah. Our web address is kendallmountainfestival.com. Um, everything's on there, tickets. We also have a the Kendall Mountain Player, which uh, gives people access not only to the festival, which we're recording, but, you know, all year round to the f- great films and curated content that we we capture um, all year round. So, yeah, that's, that's quite new to us and it's going really well. And that's called the Kendall Mountain Player. But everything is on that web address. Yeah, so if you can make space after binging Netflix, then I definitely recommend catching the entire festival online for 10 days, apart from, of course, this film, because it's on Netflix. But yeah, please do try that out. It's a really great place to find this kind of, um, these mountain stories. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, guys. And uh, we'll finish off by saying goodbye to all our listeners. Thanks for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production